Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for joining us. Hope you had a good weekend. I'm in Washington, D.C., beautiful day here in our nation's capital, here with the National Association of Farm Broadcasting, their Washington Watch event. I'll be here today and again tomorrow, broadcasting today from the offices of the American Farm Bureau Federation, and our thanks to uh, AFBF for their great hospitality, as always. Well, some good weather over the weekend allowed a lot of farmers to finally get to the fields. I live in west-central Illinois, and tractors were rolling day and night over the weekend as we finally start getting some uh, spring-like weather in parts of the country. We'll talk more about uh, the weather later today. We'll be talking with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson for his forecast, how much uh, longer will we get to stay in the fields, uh, how long will this window stay open, and he'll break it down for us a little bit later. Also here in Washington, D.C., we'll be talking with Andrew Walmsley with the American Farm Bureau Federation, talk about that farm bill that came out of the House Ag Committee last week and uh, what AFBF thinks about it as we look ahead to uh, it going to the House floor and, of course, looking ahead to what the Senate may come up with for their version. And we'll be talking about farm bill, RFS waivers, and a lot of other issues with Iowa Senator Charles Grassley will be joining us a little bit later on as well. But right now, I want to set the stage for another busy week ahead as we welcome Sarah Wyant, editor and publisher for AgriPulse. Sarah, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Mike. It's going to be a real busy one, and you're going to be in the heart of a lot of it with the NAFB meeting. Lots of good speakers lined up. Yeah, looking forward to it. Well, we kind of Last week we focused on the farm bill. It did get out of uh, committee. What are your What are your thoughts on that as we uh, look forward to the uh, uh, floor battle that that is ahead for that bill? Well, Mike, you know, being a farm kid, I'm an eternal optimist, and so I like to think that things will work. But after watching the entire markup, which was brutally ugly, it was so very partisan. Uh, you had Democrats in their opening comments calling it, for example, David Scott described it as the most terrible farm bill we've ever had. Mean, hurtful, deceitful. Uh, and it went, it kind of went downhill from there. Uh, the ranking member, Colin Peterson, was almost uh, emotional, was clearly uh, having a hard time embracing what was happening with the lack of a committee action that is known to be so bipartisan in the past. But uh, this one really broke down, and they were able to get it out of committee on a party-line vote. And if, uh, the, if Paul Ryan has his way as the Speaker of the House in making this an example, poster child, so to speak, of welfare to work, then maybe they can get it to the House floor. But it's not going to look anything like this on the Senate side. So there's still a long ways to go to see if we could actually get a bill. Yeah, I th- before this one expires. Yeah, I think the two interesting things out of all this, uh, well, there are many, but two that really stand out to me, Sarah, uh, the Democrats, the farm state Democrats, are going to be put in a tough position. Are they going to vote against a farm bill because of the nutrition title? And then because of the differences the Senate Republicans have uh, when it comes to the nutrition title, uh, what's that mean within the Republican Party moving forward on this farm bill? So a couple of interesting uh, scenarios here that will play out over the next few weeks. 
Oh, absolutely. And, you know, traditionally the GOP has had trouble getting their own caucus lined up behind the Farm Bill because you have members of the Freedom Caucus and some of the other uh, small groups that just don't like to support this level of federal spending on any kinds of subsidies, be it those for nutrition or those for farmers. Uh, now, this time around, uh, perhaps they will, but clearly Nancy Pelosi has also given the instruction that she, she does not even find this amendable as a farm bill, that it's so bad, she said Friday during her press conference. So you've got leadership on both sides saying things uh, about the bill that really make it more difficult to pass, I think. It's going to be interesting. I always call it the great political theater, although it's uh, at times very hard to watch because so much at stake and, uh, as you said, there's so much partisan politics in this farm bill. All right, let's look ahead to this week. Should be some interesting testimony when Secretary Purdue and EPA Administrator Pruitt go before Congress. Absolutely, and, and each of them are going to get hit up by lawmakers on some different issues. Purdue, of course, is going to get an earful about trade and all the things that are happening uh, at the department that may help farmers. He's got a $15 billion war chest of borrowing authority that he couldn't use, but as Senator Roberts has said, farmers want trade, not aid. Um, and it's not clear to me that that $15 billion, even though it's a good negotiating tactic against the Chinese for their potential tariffs, uh, it, it really may not cover everything we need to have covered, depending on how this trade war might play out. So uh, that's going to be a tough uh, bout for Secretary Purdue when he's headed up to Capitol Hill. And then you've got Scott Pruitt, who has some personal issues in terms of the spending that he's had at the Environmental Protection Agency. And certainly you've got Democrats just jumping at the bit to get rid of him. They've sent a letter unanimously calling for him to step down. So uh, it'll be a hot seat for both of those men. Yeah, I have called, uh, I've kind of nicknamed Secretary Purdue Comforter-in-Chief. His job more and more is to comfort everybody that everything's going to be okay, especially when it comes to trade these days. He's certainly trying, and, you know, he's made very clear that even though the president has uh, issued some tweets that seem counter to what the president might have said a few days later, that he's sticking to the message that we might revisit the Trans-Pacific Partnership, that we will try to make sure farmers aren't harmed by anything happening with China, and he's trying to keep a real upbeat attitude about this. Uh, but it only goes so far, as, let's say you're the sorghum folks, and you get slapped with an almost 200% tariffs. Um, you know, that, that market just doesn't play. And we hear these comments from the vice president and others that we may be close to getting a deal done on NAFTA, but uh, kind of getting back to what we talked about with the Farm Bill, I just can't imagine how hard it's going to be to get this, uh, whatever deal they come out of with NAFTA through this Congress. And we've heard some uh, things about some strategy from the White House. Maybe it's uh, to withdraw from this NAFTA and basically hold that over Congress's head. If you don't vote for the, the new one we've renegotiated, uh, then you're not going to have one at all. Uh, what are you hearing on that? We actually got some really upbeat news about the potential to find some closure here on NAFTA. I don't think we're going to get everything solved that the agriculture community would have liked to, but on the, over the weekend, folks were pretty upbeat. Now, as you mentioned, it still has to be ratified, and so there's a lot of additional steps. But if they could really come together and announce that they have a deal this week or next, I think it would settle a lot of folks down, Mike. I think it, it would really send a good signal that, hey, we could, we, we can do something like this. And so 
you know, give people a little bit more confidence that maybe this guy won't fall quite so far with us, some of the other deals that are pending. I think it would reassure some people, but uh, I'm just thinking, you know, in Congress, uh, are they going to want to appear to even look like they're handing any kind of a victory to uh, the President Trump? So that's going to be a tough vote there. Absolutely. I mean, this is all about the 28 term, 18 midterms right now. And so you've got people lined up everywhere taking shots at folks on what might or might not help them going into the election. So it's, yep. it's, it's a very tough environment. Well, Sarah, another interesting week ahead. Thanks so much for being with us. Yep. Look forward to seeing you later. Take care. Sarah Wyant, editor, publisher of AgriPulse. Iowa Senator Charles Grassley next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Fastline.com is changing the equipment buying game. Fastline has just released its newest feature, the price comparison tool. The price comparison tool is the first of its kind in the ag equipment market. It's designed to help quickly compare equipment by price, make, and model. Using the price comparison tool, you can see if an item is below, above, or right at average price for similar equipment. Use this game changer right now at FastLine.com. Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. Join people just like you who made the call to InventHelp. You have nothing to lose. The call and the information are free. Call 800-352-1402. That's 800-352-1402. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I'd wake up with a sore neck or maybe a headache. Or I'd feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. Well, when I invented MyPillow, I wanted it so you could adjust the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual regardless of sleep position. MyPillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not how much time we spend in bed. It's how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all my own manufacturing in my home state of Minnesota with a 10-year warranty and you can wash and dry my pillow. And here's my best offer ever. Get four my pillows for the price of one. That's right. Get four my pillows, two premium pillows and two travel pillows for the price of one. Order my pillow at 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Get four my pillows for the price of one. Call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Go to mypillow.com and at checkout use promo code FARM11. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button, and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the 
the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And welcome back. Always glad to talk with Iowa Senator Charles Grassley. Senator, thanks for being with us. Glad to be with you, of course. Great topics to talk about. Uh, You're very involved in these. I want to get right to it. Uh, First of all, uh, you called for a national security review of the Brazilian acquisition of National Beef Packing Company. Uh, Give us some insight into this. Uh, What are your concerns? Yeah. From the standpoint of national security, it seems to me that not only uh, do we have steel mills in the United States to make sure our military can defend our country, food production is a very big part of national security. So we're asking the commission that looks into national security issues to take into consideration whether or not uh, the two largest manufacturers, uh, the two largest packing plants in the United States are owned by foreigners. Is that a problem for national security? Obviously, we're very fearful about it, not only from the standpoint of national security, but also when you get us uh, two large meat packers uh, processing uh, the overwhelming amount of meat in the United States, uh, you have fewer. Uh, places to market, less competition, probably prices are going to be lower for the farmers. Tell us about that process. What does a review consist of? How long does it usually take for something like that? I can't answer the last point, but the uh, the Department of Treasury has this uh, committee uh, on foreign investment and how it affects national security, and it goes by the acronym CFIUS. Anyway, CFIUS is made up of a lot uh, representation from a lot of departments of the federal government, particularly state uh, and defense, but other departments as well. And uh, they can call in other departments. The last time I made such a request was when China was buying uh, uh, the, uh, the Smithfield in the United States. I thought the same uh, national security issues were at stake. I asked that the Department of Agriculture be brought into it. I hope the Department of Agriculture will be brought into it this particular time. And they look at it strictly. Is this merger going to affect national security at all? They don't look into the antitrust parts of it. I assume that we're going to have the Department of Justice looking into it. But the point is, they make it based on national security. And uh, you never find out uh, only the results of their decision-making. Uh, it's uh, pretty much, uh, for national security reasons, uh, not made public. So we don't really know what's the basis of them approving or not approving of it. But remember, Qualcomm was going to buy uh, a company in the United States 
uh, and they did turn that down. Also, the president got involved in that. I wouldn't mind if the president got involved in this one as well. We're talking with Iowa Senator Charles Grassley. All right, you've also, you and several other senators, have uh, called on um, the White House and EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt uh, uh, to, you know, to take a closer look at these uh, waivers they're handing out on the RFS. Have you heard anything back on that? We have not heard back, but I can tell you this, that uh, if they do answer it, they're going to say, well, we can't tell you why we gave them uh, the uh, uh, waivers because it affects their own financial position, and that's proprietary information, so we can't let it out. So these waivers tend to be very secret. Now, all the senators joining together hopefully brings President or uh, brings uh, Pruitt to a point of view that uh, the public's information ought to be public, and if uh, they don't have to buy these waivers and it upsets the federal law, on uh, mandating a certain amount of use of ethanol, which should be 15 billion gallons a year, but now because of these waivers, it's probably down to about 13.8 billion. Uh, we want to know what's secret about it. We want to know who they gave their ma- uh, these waivers to. But more importantly, the waivers are supposed to only be given for what are quote-unquote hardship cases. Well, I think they've greatly expanded the definition of hardship when a uh, company uh, that uh, made a, a one and one, one five-tenths billion dollar profit last year doesn't seem to me like it's much of a hardship. Then you even hear uh, companies like uh, Exxon that have small refineries, they are asking for waiver as well. So it seems to me that... Uh, the waiver uh, might be legitimate in a case or two, but not in 25 or more cases, and more cases now than before, and giving on more liberal definitions of what's hardship, uh, that it's undercutting uh, the victory we thought we won last November when we got Pruitt to back down on cutting back on the amount of ethanol that had to be mixed with gasoline, thus hurting uh, ethanol industry and thus hurting corn prices. Senator, when you find a, an agency, in this case EPA, going against the intent of Congress, because you wrote the RFS, you passed the RFS, when you find an agency going against the intent of uh, the RFS, in this case, what can you do about it? What You've, you've written a letter, but what action can you take? Uh, we could change law if you could get the votes to change the law, but I doubt if that's going to be possible. You can put a writer on an appropriation bill uh, saying uh, under what conditions uh, uh, waivers can be granted. But changing the law is about the only opportunity you have. Uh, Obviously, we've intervened with the President of the United States last November to make sure we got the full 15 billion gallons of ethanol used up. But now uh, I don't know whether the president's aware of this. Well, he's got to be aware of it because I brought it up in the uh, cabinet meeting uh, that we had, a cabinet room meeting we had with the president a week ago Thursday. So he's got to be aware of it. So if he wasn't aware of it before, he should be now. And it comes down to whether he will put pressure on Administrator Pruitt and take the action to get him to stop granting these waivers like this. It would help if the president would do that, and that's why I brought it up with the president, and I was backed up by 
other people at the meeting as well. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, the president's got the whole executive branch of government and the, and the, uh, the North Korean, the Iranian, uh, the Syrian situation to worry about. You wonder how much time he can spend on stuff like this. But every opportunity I get to bring up these things and defend ethanol, and more importantly, defend the law. In other words, a hardship case should only be a hardship case. Uh, that's what's wrong with this whole uh, process that we're going through right now. And finally, your thoughts on the farm bill that came out of the House Ag Committee last week. Well, I'll tell you, uh, you know I'm an advocate for a hard cap on, uh, on what one farmer can get, and that farmer ought to be a farmer. He shouldn't be a Wall Street city slicker that never gets dirt under his fingernails uh, getting uh, money out of the federal treasury. So I passed legislation like that last time, went through the House. It should have been in the farm bill, but the conferees gutted it. Now, to answer your question about the farm bill that just come out, they gutted my, uh, my uh, limitations that were put in place last time, and they even went further and so that there's very little restriction on how a non-farmer can get the maximum amount under the law. And I'm going to have to fight hard uh, to overturn uh, what the House bill does. Hopefully the Senate won't be that stupid. And what about the nutrition title? Uh, I think it's a good thing that we're encouraging people uh, to work uh, for uh, uh support programs that we have, call them safety net programs, uh, because you see if people are in poverty and you just uh, uh, don't encourage them to get in the world of work, then they got a lifetime in poverty. If you're going to get out of poverty, you got to work your way up uh, the economic ladder, encourage people to work. Uh, so all the liberals that want to keep the poverty programs in place and they do it through more money, yeah, they're going to secure people in their poverty, but they're never going to get them out of poverty. My goal, and the morally right thing to do, the thing that is is fair and uh, and also compassionate, is to get people out of poverty, not just to make them more secure in their poverty. All right, Senator, thank you. We'll look to see what happens on the House floor and then what the version of the Farm Bill comes out of the Senate Ag Committee before long. Thank you very much for your time, as always. Okay, thank you very much. Goodbye. Iowa Senator Charles Grassley, his thoughts on the Farm Bill, on RFS waivers, and also uh, his national security concerns for the Brazilian acquisition of National Beef Packing Company. All right. You always know how he feels. Always glad to talk with Senator Grassley. Well, we're going to continue our Farm Bill conversation here in Washington, D.C. Andrew Walmsley, Director of Congressional Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation, will join us next. Stay with us. This is AOA Adams on Agriculture. Around 3500 B.C., someone used basic tools and slabs of wood to invent the wheel. Genius. In 1879, Thomas Edison invented the light bulb. Genius. In 1899, a Norwegian with degrees in electronics, science, and mathematics invented the paperclip. Genius. There's genius. 
And then there's pure genius. At BASF, that's what drove us to develop Ingenia Herbicide, our most advanced dicamba formulation ever for dicamba-tolerant cotton and soybeans. It gives you a low-volatility solution at the lowest dicamba use rate ever offered. ...of action to outsmart the toughest weeds, even the glyphosate-resistant ones. Grow smart with Ingenia Herbicide from BASF, a flexible solution that's pure genius. Talk to your representative today. Learn more at IngeniaHerbicide.com. BASF, we create chemistry. Ingenia Herbicide is a U.S. EPA-restricted-use pesticide. Always read and follow label directions. Time for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Sabrina Hill and I are in Washington, D.C. at the NAFB Washington Watch event that is underway this week. In the grain and oil seed sector, we have a mix. Soybean futures backpedaling some three to four and a fraction lower. Corn futures hanging in there a fraction higher. Chicago wheat two and a fraction lower an hour into the trading day with Kansas City wheat penny, penny and a fraction higher. Minneapolis spring wheat six to seven cents lower. In the winter wheat, the market reaction to begin this week could be described as sell the forecast by the fact after contracts came under heavy pressure late last week on forecasts of weekend rains. The grain and oil seed complex mostly higher overnight. Losses seen though in Minneapolis, canola. The July corn contract able to hold Friday's low at 385 and a quarter overnight, touching that mark before rallying into early Monday morning. Brazilian farmers said to be 91% finished with their soybean harvest as of Thursday of last week. That according to private consultancy Ag Rural. That figure close to the past five-year average. For livestock, at the Merck and live cattle futures were trending 50 to $1.27 higher. Cash cattle sales seen last week about $4 higher per hundredweight compared to the previous week's weighted average. Feeder cattle, $1.25 to $1.87 higher. The May contract up $1.25 at $140.55. Lean hog futures, June down $1.10 at $76.47. Cash expectations on this Monday, steady better after advances for most of last week. Again, you're listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson, reporting from Washington, D.C., from the American Ag Network. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over 5 million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider. Vermont and New York Banking Departments. Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. 
And welcome back. We are in Washington, D.C., broadcasting today from the offices of the American Farm Bureau Federation. Joining us now, Andrew Walmsley, Director of Congressional Relations for the American Farm Bureau. Andrew, good to talk with you. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Let's talk Farm Bill. And we just heard uh, Senator Grassley's thoughts on Farm Bill. What does American Farm Bureau Federation think about that um, Farm Bill proposal that came out of the House Ag Committee last week? Well, first off, we're excited that we actually have a piece of legislation uh, to look at to actually see it move out of committee. You know, this has been a two- to three-year uh, process from both internally here at Farm Bureau taking input from our members and from our states. You know, we've seen both the Senate and House Ag Committees have different field hearings, uh, hold hearings uh, here in the Capitol uh, on the Farm Bill, and so now we're really that the real formal process has kicked off and, and started moving uh, I, I think we're, we're excited to see that. You know, we think the House bill is a, is a good starting point. A lot of the Farm Bureau uh, priorities are in that bill, um, you know, recognizing the fix for cotton and dairy that was included earlier this year, uh, while also, you know, taking note and recognition that we needed to move a farm bill forward and get one signed into law before this end of the year. Uh, you know, we're looking at very dire uh, situations across the farm country uh, with about a 52% reduction in the farm economy since the last farm bill. So getting that process moving and, and hopefully here to the House floor here pretty soon. I don't want this to sound like farmers aren't concerned about uh, the nutrition title and caring for people in need because I know they are concerned about that. But it comes down to all those things you just talked about, those things that agriculture needs and uh, have worked on, it could all be for naught if they can't work out the nutrition part of it, though. Well, you know, we've got confidence in the leadership in both the House and Senate, particularly Chairman Conaway, you know, uh, hopefully maybe coming together with, with Chairman Peterson as we get closer to the floor around this issue. You know, Farm policy, farm Bureau policy for a long time has supported nutrition and farm programs being together. I mean, they're, they're part of the same issue, you know, from farm to, to, to fork and, and the need to keep that together. Um, you know, there's challenges, but... Um, what Farm Bill hasn't presented challenges. So we're confident moving forward we'll be able to, to move beyond that. And I think what's lost on folks is, you know, there's a lot of people that rely on that on the SNAP program in rural America. It's not just an urban issue. So it affects all Americans having good sound farm policy, uh, you know, that protects the, the price of food. It's a national security issue while also making sure that those that are most needy, you know, have a safety net as well. This issue is such a philosophical, politically polarizing issue and it really brings to head the partisan politics and the divide we have in this country and the whole approach to uh, a program like uh, the nutrition title like food stamps and moving people off those roles toward employment uh, that is a such a huge issue between republicans and democrats right now it'll be interesting when this thing gets to the house floor what kind of amendments we see flying and uh, uh, what kind of support it can gather because we saw this, this strictly party line vote coming out of committee. Yeah, and, and you know, Dale Moore, who's been around a long time, he heads our public affairs shop, you know, was reminding folks that we've had partisan issues in the past when it comes to foreign policy, particularly in the 90s. Um, you know, and it's an election year, so it makes it even more exciting and why folks should turn in, tune into your show regularly to get updates. Uh, you know, if it was easy, that you know, you wouldn't need organizations like Farm Bureau and others in Washington. It's, it's going to be a challenge, but like I said, we're committed. Uh, there's so many, so much uncertainty, um, whether what Mother Nature's thrown at us recently or traditionally throws at us to, you know, some of the, the challenges around trade that, you know, really it's an imperative on Congress to, to add some certainty to the situation in farm country and get a farm bill completed. Of course, Senator Roberts, chairman of the Senate Ag Committee, has made it clear he 
probably won't go the same route on nutrition as the House because he wants to get his 60 votes or more to pass the bill. So that sets up what would be a very interesting conference committee. Absolutely. I mean, the House bill right now is, is a bill for the House that the leadership that it's a priority. You see it with it being uh, HR two, a, a very low number or high number, however you want to look at it, but a priority for the House. Um, Chairman Roberts, uh, Ranking Member Stabenow, is committed to getting a, a farm bill for the Senate through uh, their process, and we're looking forward to uh, seeing how that debate sh- shapes up. I think we will hopefully see some action in the Senate here in the next month. Um, you know, it's once again, it's all a process. We get the House bill through, we get a Senate bill through, and hopefully go to conference and come out with a well-rounded piece of legislation. Okay, here's the big question. Can they find that compromise before this bill runs out, or are we looking at an extension perhaps of the current bill? Well, uh, wouldn't be in this business if I wasn't an optimist. I think many of our members and farmers are an optimist. If not, why would you ever put a seed in the ground? So I really don't want to talk about extension. I don't think that's an option. There's there's so much uncertainty. There's a need to get this bill completed this year and to the president. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of challenges between uh, elections and the next Congress and, and starting back over that it's really imperative, particularly with programs that will expire if we have an extension, you know, that don't have baselines. So uh, it's the Farm Bureau's perspective, and I think a lot of perspective on the Hill is to get the bill done this year and, and closely on time as possible. But those midterm elections could lend themselves to an extension more than getting the urgency to getting it done. I mean, a lot of people in agriculture see the urgency. But uh, maybe some in the Democratic Party might say, let's wait and see how those elections turn out. And then maybe we'd have a better chance of writing a bill we like better. Well, and they, but then also, you know, those same folks that are up for election have to answer to their farm country constituents on why uh, they haven't passed a bill when that's their job to do it on time. And, um, you know, it's, it's a tough environment here in Washington. I'm not trying to discount that, but it's a tough time in farm country. And I think there's an expectation for everybody to do their jobs. We're talking with Andrew Walmsley, Director of Congressional Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation. All right, let's look beyond the nutrition title. There are some other areas, not in total agreement with everyone, but uh, seemingly certainly compared to the nutrition title, more agreement. Uh, they they address some changes in the, the conservation program. How do you feel about those? Yeah, so there are quite a few changes in the conservation program. We see some savings there um, to kind of keep the bill budget neutral. Uh, you know, remind folks the savings that we've had since the last farm bill, um, you know, the $23 billion, and then we've all seen additional savings since then. Uh, but you see the, the combination of CSP into EQIP. Um, Are you concerned about that at all? Because some have raised some questions about that. I think there's some questions, and we're continuing to uh, analyze what those changes and impacts might be. I, you know, I think we're also looking through the lens that the Senate's going to have a, a different bill and comparing those side by side and working that through the process. Uh, you see some improvements to the CRP program that is obviously something supported by Farm Bureau through our policy dealing with rental rates where we're not seeing farmers competing with government, particularly beginning young farmers uh, with some of those rates. So we see that as an improvement. We'd like to see that cap at 24 million acres. It ratchets up in the House bill. Uh, that's yeah, a, they're going to 29. 29, right. So we'd like to see that at 24, but there's still a question of how that rental rate cap will interact with that and if we'll see that growth to 20. 29 million. So um, those are the major ones we're kind of looking at and evaluating and, and see going forward. What about ARC PLC? Yeah, we see, you know, once again, th- this farm bill is more evolutionary than, than revolutionary. Uh, you know, the opportunity for producers to make a new election between ARC and PLC. Um, you know, we see um, allowing yield adjustments for those impacted by drought. Uh, and reference prices to adjust to market conditions as, as, as positive things. And then, you know, within the ARC program, 
um, using RMA data just to address some of the disparity we had seen across the country in some counties. So overall, tweaks around the edges, but improvements uh, overall. Crop insurance? Uh, you know, I think one of the things that from all the hearings, uh, both from a Farm Bureau perspective, but what I think the House Ag Committee heard is if it's not broken, don't fix it. Crop insurance is a, is a vital tool not only for farmers, but for farm economy in general with lenders and everybody else to provide some certainty out there. Uh, you know, in the savings we've seen compared to disaster payments, that it's a, it's a critically important program. So once again, tweaks around the age, edges, nothing too revolutionary there, you know, and some um, direction for maybe uh, additional research and providing other risk management tools for producers who've been impacted, you know, with hurricanes or other unique risks they face. So overall, pretty good title. What about marketing programs like MAP and some of those that uh, are very important for us to, to work on exports? Yeah, and exports uh, are, are clearly being highlighted right now with the discussion in Washington around the world. You know, they're in there, some combinations, but a lot of the funding staying intact uh, under the trade title. You know, once again, this goes back to the point of the necessity of hopefully getting a farm bill done and providing that certainty. Um, you know, there is a lot of concern on where we end up with trade just because of the partners we're negotiating with and that impact to uh, farm economy. Uh, so hopefully we can move the bill forward and provide that. The bill that came out of the committee last week obviously won't be the final bill passed in the House, and whatever comes out of the House won't be the final bill that we wind up with. Uh, so it is a, a process, but it does give you a look into what, members of Congress and especially leadership what they want to see in a farm bill and what they're pushing for. Yeah, absolutely. Once again, I mean, the, the bill number being HR2, it's, it's shown as a priority. I think we've seen Speaker Ryan speak to that. Um, the idea that we could be on the House floor here at the beginning of May, uh, the desire to move forward pretty quickly. It is an insight, you know, from a farm Farm Bureau perspective, we, we view the House bill as a, a, the majority of the bill as a good starting point for those discussions going forward with the Senate. How involved does a group like yours get into that process as far as your input into it? Yeah, so we've had an internal farm bill working group of all our states. We've we've got um, you know active members that can participate through our issue advisory committees that have made recommendations over the last few years that we've obviously shared with the committee. Um, you know, now going forward is a lot more about process. You know, a lot of the policy has been decided outside of what will be debated. Um, you know, through amendments and on the floor, um, but we're involved in, in getting across the finish line. You know, we'll be sending action alerts out to our membership, encouraging them to contact their members of Congress, letting them know that this is a priority. Um, you know, our president, President Duvall, is very involved in the discussions with leadership. I know he's sitting down with Chairman Conaway this week to see what we can do to help move this process forward once again. Um, it's a uh, uh, an old saying, it's a, it's a poor frog who won't croak, croak for his own pond. And so this is now the time to start croaking uh, in support of, of something that's very important to farm country. Andrew, as always, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Andrew Walmsley, Director of Congressional Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation. Well, there'll be a lot of croaking going on as this process plays out on uh, getting that next farm bill. Well, we're going to focus on weather in our last segment um, some areas finally dry enough for farmers to get to the fields. Other areas still too dry, getting a little bit of rain, but still needing more. We're going to break it all down with Bryce Anderson, DTN meteorologist, will join us next as we talk weather here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture, coming to you today from our nation's capital. Stay with us. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. 
If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heartburn, mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable bed so if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep call now for prices and information and then decide when you see how little they cost discover craftmatic for less up to 50 percent less than today's leading memory foam brand call 1-800-318-7903 that's 1-800-318-7903 1-800-318-7903 call now if you or your family love the freedom of swimming any time of year, if you love sharing good times and making great memories, or if you want one of the best total body workouts ever, then it's time to discover the three C's of your very own endless pool. The first C is convenience. Imagine swimming year-round in your own private swimming pool, installed indoors or out, just steps away. The second C is comfort. With sculpted spa seats and your own adjustable temperature, you can easily escape the stress of your day. And the third C is cost. Your endless pool is an affordable luxury at a fraction of the cost of a regular pool. And here's a bonus C, choice. Because when you call for your free endless pool idea kit, you'll receive information on our full line of pools to suit your budget and location. Call now for your free information, 800-717-0734, 800-717-0734. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over 5 million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider, Vermont and New York Banking Departments, Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. In 1847, Hanson Crockett Gregory invented the donut. Genius. In 1908, Melita Benz invented the paper coffee filter. Genius. In 1928, Otto Frederick Rowetter invented sliced bread. Genius. In 1930, Ruth Wakefield invented the chocolate chip cookie. Mmm, genius. There's genius, and then there's pure genius. At BASF, that's what drove us to develop Ingenia Herbicide, our most advanced dicamba formulation ever for dicamba-tolerant cotton and soybeans. It gives you a low-volatility solution at the lowest dicamba use rate ever offered, providing an additional site of action to outsmart the toughest weeds, even the glyphosate-resistant ones. Grow smart with Ingenia Herbicide from BASF, a flexible solution that's pure genius. Talk to your representative today. Learn more at IngeniaHerbicide.com. We create chemistry. Ingenia Herbicide is a U.S. EPA-restricted-use pesticide. Always read and follow label directions. Come. Game. 
FastLine has just released its newest feature, the Price Comparison Tool. The Price Comparison Tool is the first of its kind in the ag equipment market. It's designed to help quickly compare equipment by price, make, and model. Using the Price Comparison Tool, you can see if an item is below, above, or right at average price for similar equipment. Use this game changer right now at FastLine.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. We're proud of our new affiliates. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. We finally have some better news to talk about uh, on the weather from DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Bryce, that window of opportunity we've been waiting for has finally started to open for some farmers. Yes, it has, Mike. And uh, this week is going to uh, be the start of a a notable round of uh, milder and more seasonal conditions after what we had this past weekend. Uh, It still is going to be a little bit below normal uh, through about Wednesday on temperatures, but then starting Thursday on, uh, we are going to see those uh, temperatures uh, take a a notable um, increase, a notable uh, track to above, to even much above normal, and the warmest conditions are going to be west of the Mississippi, and that's where the uh, cold during April was truly a record, so it's going to be uh, a lot more uh, amenable to uh, getting field work done. So we have finally turned the corner, or is this just a tease? Well, no, I, I think the I think the uh, the pattern is going to act uh, con, uh, continually more seasonal. Uh, it looks like uh, some of these uh, features in the uh, far northern latitudes, particularly uh, the uh, the inclusion, the development of high pressure. Uh, over the uh, Arctic uh, region that kind of pushed all of the colder air south. Uh, that uh, has moderated and uh, actually kind of weakened to the point that, you know, the far northern latitudes are acting a little bit more typical uh, with their uh, patterns. We are getting, in, in uh, return, we're getting more of a, uh, of a uh, wind flow out of the Pacific, which is always milder, and uh, that leads to this uh, general uh, you know, much more promising forecast. All right. What about the areas that have been so dry? And uh, we think of western uh, Oklahoma with the fires. Are they going to get any relief? It really doesn't look like it. The best chance was this past weekend. And uh, uh, quite frankly, the uh, rainfall amounts uh, were uh, considerably less than forecasts that called for. Uh, For example, Goodland, Kansas had uh, close to an inch of uh, rain forecast. They only got about 45 hundredths. And in uh, west, southwestern Kansas, uh, western Oklahoma, you had the same type of uh, disappointing type of precipitation. Uh, this week, they're only going to get about a quarter of an inch. So the, uh, the drought stress in the southern southwestern plains is very real, and it's not going to go away. It will be milder this week on temperatures, but the dryness is not going to uh, show any big change over the next couple weeks at least. Bryce, what do your models show about possibility of severe weather here in the next few weeks? Uh, the, uh, the, 
the uh, circumstances don't look too terribly uh, um, threatening at this point, Mike. And a lot of that has to do with the uh, fact that temperatures look like they're going to be more seasonal if uh, we don't have a real big contrast in the uh, temperature uh, patterns uh, running north to south, then uh, we can kind of stay away from that volatility. And so that's a, re- that's a big reason why things are looking a little bit milder for us as we think about the next 10 days or so. Those northern states, are they going to continue to thaw out? They're, they're going to uh, have a better time of it. Uh, now, yes, the soil temperatures are still uh, <laughs> kind of uh, stuck in the 30s. It, it uh, is uh, very difficult to get things going. But um, there have been uh, some pockets in the Red River Valley, uh, particularly in northern uh, portions of North Dakota, where uh, planting has uh, been going on because they didn't get quite that snow belt that we got last week farther south. But even this week, uh, in the areas that got all the snowfall, uh, they're still uh, going to get along better. And I think uh, be more, uh, you know, conditions are going to improve to the point that uh, it does look like we're going to see some uh, planting take place. Uh, the the circumstances are not as chronically delayed as they were looking like here a week ago, and they certainly were for a week. But uh, the uh, trend is looking milder now as we think about the end of the month. Well, you've told us for some time it would be May before things really kind of settled down, and it looks like that's that's coming true. Yeah, very much so. Uh, this is the uh, slowest start to field work that we've had in four years. Uh, that's the way the winter acted as well. It was, uh, in many respects, the coldest winter since uh, 2014. And so uh, this year has pretty well played along in character with that. A big feature is going to be now um, how the uh, summertime temperatures act. And that still is to be written, of course. But four years ago, the summer temperatures were very favorable for getting crops uh, going during the uh, pollination and fill stages and so forth. And uh, if that happens again, this could still turn out to be a very good year when it comes to production. But I've seen some reports, some projections that June could be one of the hottest Junes on record. Do you, do you buy into that? Uh, not right now. Uh, there are going to be some areas of the country that have uh, the above-normal track. There's no doubt about it. Uh, during, the, uh, during the month of June, though, the prospects are still looking pretty decent for the Midwest. And so, uh, you know, that uh, is you know, certainly a feature that, uh, you know, is going to be very important. But again, uh, the total summertime conditions are going to pretty well tell the tale for how things pan out. So do we now have a system? Of the weather moving forward, uh, where are we at system-wise? Well, we're we're going uh, just uh, kind of uh, you know kind of with uh, the the intermediate uh, features. Uh, the Pacific does uh, appear to be tracking into a neutral La Nina, or I should say, a neutral uh, El Nino La Nina state. Uh, the water temperatures are are moving in that direction, and so at this point, there's going to be the um, You know, the intermediate features that develop with, uh, you know, periodic warming and cooling of different parts of the globe that uh, lead to our our pattern uh, developing. But things are looking better. That's good news. Yes, they are. And uh, obviously high time. A lot of things happening all at once. Uh, The uh, situation does look a lot more promising, that's for sure. All right. Good to have some uh, good news for a change on the weather front. Bryce, thank you as always. Appreciate it. You're welcome, Mike. Take care. DTM meteorologist 
Bryce Anderson. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot to get done. That's been kind of pent up. This activity. Be careful out there, please. Let's have a, a safe planting season. I know you're anxious to get going and trying to get caught up, but. All right, uh, I'll be here in Washington, D.C. again tomorrow here with the National Association of Farm Broadcasting, the Washington Watch. We're going to talk with a lot of ag groups uh, later today and we'll, on some of these issues, and we'll get their thoughts on tomorrow's program. Also tomorrow I'll be broadcasting from USDA. We'll have a chance to hear from USDA officials. So lots going on here in Washington, D.C. Thank you for joining us on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Have a great day, everyone.